For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help raise your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Hey everybody, welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And, you know, we're back at it again, ruining a horror movie that yeah. um, either you've seen, you want to see, or you're too afraid to see, ever see. So, yeah, if you're any of those people, uh, thanks for listening. The movie we're doing uh, this week is David Cronenberg's Videodrome, which is the second David Cronenberg film we've done, mm-hmm. and a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I'm excited to see how easily I'll be able to explain it. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of concepts in it. Yeah, it, watching the trailer, which mm-hmm. I do for all of our movies, so I have, like, a sense of, like, tone, I was, like, I don't know what this is about. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, and I think, like, trailers are already prone to um, make things more confusing because they give you very little information. But this, I was, like, I know that this is scary, but I don't know why. Yeah, I feel like the um, the trailer also that I, I saw was, uh, they had a lot of, like, animated stuff, which is not in the movie. So oh. that was an interesting, I feel like there used to be more of that where, like, there'd be, like, an animation affiliated with a movie, but the movie itself wouldn't be animated. Yeah. I guess, I guess... I'm thinking specifically of Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. Which opens with an animated uh, yes. sequence, which I remember as a kid being like, oh, this movie's animated. No. And it's then it's just, like, nope, no. it is not. I mean, it's a great movie, but it's not animated. So clearly they were trying to capitalize. Maybe it was like supposed to be like, oh, it's like video games, or I, I don't know what they're trying to capitalize on. But yes, it, there's no animation in this film whatsoever, despite sure. what you might have thought. And what, what were your thoughts about the trailer? Like, did you find it spooky at all, or was it just sort of like total confusion? I think, like, it was unsettling. Great. Okay. Like, not I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have nightmares about, like, this trailer later tonight. Mm-hmm. But I was like... The fact that I don't understand it makes me yeah. unhappy. Um, I'm genuinely very scared of how I'm going to explain Th- these concepts. Uh, like, even as you're explaining them, like they, these are, I don't know what most of this means. No. Um, but I will say we like to take a baseline scary. So, Allison, how scary do you find the concept of the effects of technology on humanity? Very. Yes, I guess Black Mirror would be like our mm-hmm. modern version of of this yeah. you know not knowing anything about the movie but like i don't love it mm-hmm. i th- like even just like even like the little things like how like now everybody's like i need blue blocker glasses cuz i look at screens all day and it's ruining my vision i'm like oh, oh no God. what have we done yeah, I was just reading how, I guess this is more of a pandemic issue but because people are at home more they don't use like um their oh i told you this oh yeah well, my eye doctor told it? me that um because of the pandemic, everybody's at home. And even for people who are in, like, larger homes, um, you still, nothing's ever really more than 15 feet away from you because it's enclosed. And there's different, like, the muscles that control your distance vision are for longer range than 15 Mm -hmm. feet. And so if you're never outside and you're never far away from something enough to disengage your near vision muscles and activate the distance vision ones. Um, So now people are having, like, massive eye problems like 20 years earlier than they normally would because oh, they're Lord. exhausting oh, Lord. the eye muscles that work on focusing on things in the near ground. So that's fun. Yeah, I also think like this this movie sort of sets up, obviously this is a pre, this is like 1986, like pre-internet world. But yeah. a lot of this I think is sort of a metaphor trying to, um, you know, explore the concept of like, when what you see on a screen becomes real. And I kept thinking, watching this, it's like, you know, this is not necessarily a one-to-one analogy, but sort of the idea of, like, people who stormed the Capitol or, like, people who believe in QAnon. Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, people who, the things they are exposed to on screens, their brain is just, like, can't necessarily interpret whether they're real or not not for a lot of complicated sociological and, and, and psychological reasons. 
But it's like, but then that affects your actions. So it's like, it's not just like, oh, it's an idea and you are exposed to it. It's like, that affected real people. People died, you know, like, so it's sort of like how, this is like a sci-fi exploration of like how things that we're exposed to affect not just our minds, but like our bodies in the world. Yeah. Which is terrifying. And and even more so now, you know, than this this movie, this is a movie, you know, about TV specifically. Right. But it's like, you know, and I always think about like how people have, um, I feel like people express that they have anxiety more often. And I don't think enough is talked about how the fact that like, I think a lot of that has to do with like the fact we're online all the time, especially when you're so younger. Too. I don't yeah. think the human brain, like we don't understand how to process it yet. And I don't know if we ever will. I think it's just your brain is like, you know, if somebody's cruel to you and you're 13, it doesn't matter if it's online and you could not look away, it's still happening. Right. So it's like, I I think it's like, yeah, like our biology is not set up for this. So of course people are anxious all the time. Yeah, we're not, and like, it is hard to like, keep track of how many realities you're yes, yeah. looking at at one time. Like, just like having Twitter open, but also your email can get confused. Like, because you're just like looking, you know, you're processing two different kinds of information and one could be like more fiction and one is more reality and both of them are not like present reality, like physical reality. Yes. Well, that's, and that's exactly what this movie's getting into. <laughs> I am scared. Um, so let us begin. We're about to ruin David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Ooh. So we open on Max Wren, uh, played by James Woods. What do you think about James Woods? You know, it's so hard because we know that he's a conservative psychopath. So, you know, that has colored all of... Like, I hadn't seen young him in a long time, like, until I watched this trailer. And I was like, oh, like he is a good actor. Like, he is, like, he is such, like, an interesting-looking person. Like, what a... Mm-hmm. But then, like, I'm like, I can't separate that he's, like, stop the steal, like, <laughs> crazy person. He's great in this, and I feel like he is someone where, like, I don't think of him, like, of his works normally, but I'm like, ah, oh, he is really good, and it does yeah. make you super bummed out, too. I know, it's I a bummer. time you see him on Twitter. But uh, Max Wren is, uh, he plays the president of Channel 83 Civic TV in Toronto. And it's this small, controversial um, TV station that I guess is based on an actual Toronto TV station because Cronenberg is Canadian. And it's all about, like, playing sleaze. So it's, like, softcore pornography, super violent movies. Nice. The edgiest, most extreme stuff that you could put on television. And uh, Max Wren is woken up by his secretary, Bridie, um, who does, like, a video wake-up call every day and is sort of his, like, right-hand woman. And he also has, like, wild hours. And he's, like, constantly smoking and drinking. And I think he's just sort of, like, this edgy character that, like, likes be, like being on the edge of acceptability um, in, in television. Mm-hmm. And he's watching a, an erotic series called Samurai Dreams. And he's oh, just, like, looking at these topless stills from the show and eating chicken wings and, like, the sauce is getting smeared on the photos. I'm like, okay, so we know, the you know, what we're talking about here. Yeah, we're... The, the, the picture has been painted. Yeah, the word I wrote was rank. So uh, Max shows up for uh, a meeting and he's meeting with these uh, Japanese businessmen to potentially buy Samurai Dreams and then, like, a bunch of other Japanese softcore... Hard softcore porn, hardcore violence um, shows. And the clip we see from it, which is actually kind of tasteful, is like a, a Japanese woman has a geisha doll and she takes the clothes off and it turns out the doll is a gigantic dildo that like oh, we see okay. that she's about to like masturbate with, but then like Cronenberg tastefully cuts away to the uh, uh, conference room at uh, Civic TV and where uh, Red is meeting with his business partners, Moses and Raphael. And they're like, this isn't tacky enough. Like, I, I can't even get hard watching this. Like, this is too soft. We need something, like, hardcore. So even this, like, for what I imagine at the time was, like, very edgy. The edge, yeah. And it is, like, it does look classy. Like, yeah, somebody's masturbating. It's classy compared to the other stuff they were about to say. Right. Oh, God. And so what Max has sort of instituted at uh, Channel 83 is an illegal satellite that is pirating um, broadcasts from around the world. So they're trying to get stuff that, like, isn't made or broadcast in North America to try to, like, skirt, to get stuff that skirts around, like, you know, the propriety of the television business in in North America. In the United States. Is the idea that, like, anything being made outside the United States is inherently more illicit because of our moral standards. That is what, yes, that is the Great. argument of this movie. Of course, Love that American is exceptionalism. That is not yes. true. We air some of the worst things ever and are terrible yeah. people. Oh, yeah, and there's a lot of statements about North America that I'm like, guys, we're the ones dragging other people down in a lot of ways. You know, like, in yeah, a lot places, of ways. Plenty of places have a lot of problems, but, like, I don't think, like, not having 
like like our stuff being TV and, and film being like too safe. I, I don't I don't think that's our problem. Yeah. So he goes and he meets with the satellite engineer um, Harlan, who's just like is like constantly rec- filming and, and sending him stuff. And he's like, oh, I found this new show called Videodrome. And it's being broadcast out of Malaysia. Again, exotifying, like, you know, Asian cultures, like, this sort of, like, you know, oh, something crazy is coming out of um, Malaysia. It's just a scene of two masked torturers forcing a pantsless woman up against an electrified clay wall covered in water. So there's, like, an inch of standing water, and they're, like, forcing her up against this electrified wall. That's it. Oh. Max is like, this is amazing. This is amazing stuff. He he's like, how did they make it look so realistic? His thing is, he assumes this is like you know Saw or like a Serbian film, even audition. You know, like a film that is like a TV show that's like incredibly violent, but it's not real. Right. All right. I see where we're going. Yeah. So um, Max then appears on like a talk show that I think is supposed to be a parody of like you know like daytime talk shows in the nineties. So. You know, it's like they're debating violence on television. So it's him, um, Nikki Brand, who's a radio personality played by Debbie Harry. and She looks um, great, by the way. Phenomenal, gorgeous, stunning woman. And um, a media prophet, Dr. Brian Oblivion. That is, of course, a pseudonym that's not his real name. And Wait, he, is it Brian, like, O, like period, he's Irish. Oblivion? Like oh, the, yeah, oh, like, like the Dublin Oblivion. Oh, my God. It's so silly. <laughs> That's so funny. And so he he's on TV, but he is on a television set on the stage. So he will not appear live. And he's a parody Do we of, see his face? Or yes. is he like a silhouette, like when they do an interview on 60 Minutes with somebody whose identity is being concealed? Oh, that's a great question. No, it is him. You see okay. his face. But, he but does he's say, just remote. Yeah, he's remote, and that's not his real name. So he's he's like, this oh, is really? my television name. This is, I know exactly, my pseudonym. And yeah, my name is Paul Oblivion. Picking your own nom de plume is quite a an ego exercise. And so his he he's sort of a parody of Marshall McLuhan. So I was looking at the Great. Wikipedia, and I guess um, Cronenberg studied under Marshall McLuhan. Did you, did you have to study Marshall McLuhan as a— I did in my master's program that I didn't finish in media studies, not to brag. Um, not to brag. Not to brag. I barely remember any of it, and I dropped out after a year. Um, well, the only thing I remember about him is the medium is the message. Yes, that's all I remember. And I think that's what we're And then showing up in um, Annie Hall. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, so sort of the idea that like this person is uh, like has a lot of a, phil- a philosopher about for the modern age, and it's about mm-hmm. like how TV, like our brains experience what we see on TV as reality. You know, right. on some level, like we might know consciously it's not real, but like you still like get scared during movies. Like you, right. you're you having emotional it, watching television. Absolutely, and that's why it that's why art exists. Is like we're able to cause these feelings in ourselves and like explore them. And Ooh, this it, is like our headiest episode yet. <laughs> it is. This movie is. <laughs> He, God bless Cronenberg. He's tackling a lot of issues, and they it seems all like it. they all are very prescient. Like everything I'm watching, mm-hmm. I'm like shit. This is the it's the the internet is this times a hundred. You know, because it's yeah. like the internet's inescapable. Like at least TV, right? TV those, you can technically turn off. Yeah, but like, even then, I guess in the '80s, like yeah, everyone watched TV. Everyone talked about the same shows. Like everyone yeah. watched the new. Everyone was already tapped in in a way that like yeah, hundred years before that they weren't, but. I guess every new every new technology we're just living in the most recent manifestation of that. So uh, the host Rena King says to Max, like everyone knows that you you run this sort of depraved television channel. Like, how do you defend what you do? And he's like, which again was a very '90s conversation. You know, I, th- yeah. I think of like a penthouse, like the idea of like making these things yeah. that are like disgusting or whatever. And he's like, you know, people have these impulses to watch sex and violence. I'm out providing them an outlet. I, I don't think I'm causing it. And there's something right. there where it's like, that's an argument, you know, right. that people That's something make. people are looking for. Yeah. Like, providing it doesn't create the want. Right, like, they have an audience. You right. know, like, they're, you know. Uh, so that's sort of his argument. And then Nikki Brand is sort of saying, like, I, I think we live in un- overstimulated times. Like, I think it's actually a bad thing. And Max says to her, well, you're wearing, like, a bright red dress. Like, that's a very stimulating dress. And she says, like, well, you know, I am overstimulated, too. Like, I consider myself part of that. Like, I'm someone who watches that kind of stuff. So then Max is like, oh, okay, like a hot lady who's into the sort of maybe these ex- extreme things. He asks her out. And then Brian Oblivion sort of ha- ha- give, pontificates about television. And he says, <clears throat> the television screen has become the retina of the mind's eye. 
which I kind of feel like, oh, now that is like the internet. Like yeah, our, the right. internet is is our mind, but connected. Yes. And that is fascinating and interesting and, and great technology, but also that sucks. Like yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. You know, in so many different ways. So um, uh, back at the station, Harlan, the satellite guy, has captured more of the transmission, and now it's just a man being beaten in that same clay room. Room. And there's no plot. It is just someone being tortured just for violence. an hour. Okay. And Max said, this is absolutely brilliant. Like, who makes this? And it turns out Harlan said, it's actually that, like, code that said, oh, it's out of Malaysia. That was uh, fake. It's actually being filmed and broadcast out of Pittsburgh. So Max is like, oh, so it's, like, much closer. Like, I, you know, like, potentially, you know, maybe we could go yeah. there. And uh, Max uh, goes and takes out Nikki, and we see her. She's sort of like a Frasier type, where, like, she has a radio call-in show called Nikki Brand and the Emotional Rescue Hour. And, again, that's also pairing this very 90s thing where, like, people are calling in, and they're so devastated yes. and sobbing, and she's trying to, like, give them counsel. But it's true. It's, like, this using technology to, like, address these very personal emotional problems yeah. and you're reaching out to somebody and trying to make a connection and it's like oh god like again that's what the internet feels like you know um yeah. so they go out and back at, like they go out and then they're back at max's place presumably gonna have sex and she's looking through his tape and, and nikki said do you have any porno and he's like are you serious and she pulls out video drill and she puts it in and he's like well that's not porn that's like violence and and that kind of thing and she says who says and so they're watching it, oh. and she's getting really turned on. And, you know, mm. she is a um, a masochist, basically. Okay. And so she's like, oh, wow. But again, she also is like, how do you get on this show? Like, I'd love to audition, like, to be on, like, one of these people that gets to live out their fantasy, you know? Yeah. And Max is like, I don't, like, we don't know who makes this. Like, this is, like, really hard like, for I just stuff. find this and provide, yeah. That's- yeah, but again, he's trying to distance himself from it. Like, well, the, we don't know who makes this. It's like, well, you're broadcasting it to people. Like, you were right. part of this system. You're of responsible for some of this pipeline. Exactly. So she asks um, Max to take out a Swiss Army knife and cut her, uh, like, in a sexual way. And mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know. And he's like, well... She said, well, let's try a few things. And so while they're having sex and video drum is playing in the background, he pierces her ears with a needle. And he pierces one and then he licks the blood off the needle and he pierces Ugh. the other. And honestly, yeah, the only thing I found disgusting about that is the fact that he put it in his mouth. Yeah. And like then put it like. Yeah. Like it's one thing where it's like, oh, you're going to like draw blood from me if that's something I want. Like, okay. But I'm not saying like, yes, then use the needle that was in your mouth to like. Puncture my like that feels also. Very this unhygienic. is a first date. Like I just am like yeah. If you've yeah. been together and you like have both been talked tested and stuff, like that's fine. But it's like you guys just met. Like you can't yeah, be putting you someone's no blood idea. in your mouth and and no. his saliva in your ear in your hole. blood and like no. And so like they're having this like you know intense sexual experience and then like in in the mind in the mind's eye of Max, he sees himself in them in the room of Videodrome. So they're having sex in that clay room and it's sort of like all tied together in this sexual experience. The next day, Max goes into work, and there's this agent there who's here to pitch him some stuff. And again, it's softcore porn. It's too classy. It's like um, Apollo and Dionysus. Like, it's Greek. Everyone's beautiful and topless. And he's like, mm-hmm. I need filth. I need dirt. Like, this is this is too classy. This is not going to make anybody hard in my audience or whatever. And uh, Masha's like, I, you know, and I don't know what to tell you. Okay. And yeah. he and Masha's like an older woman, which I thought was an interesting choice. Like she's kind yeah. of one of one of the few older people who are involved in this industry in the in the movie. And he says to her, "Do you think you could track down who makes Videodrome? Because like I'd love to just have you know put put all their stuff on the channel." Mm-hmm. And he tells her about it. And she's like, "I don't know. That sounds like a, too extreme. Like I just make some like titty films." And he says, "I think I I think that's it's what's next." And Masha said, then God help us if that's what it is. But she agrees that if she finds it, she gets like a 10% cut or whatever. Right. And he agrees to to look for it. And they keep referring to the subterranean market. So like this is like the... Is that like uh, the dark web? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, the dark like web for the TV. TV's version of the dark web? I think absolutely. So that night, Nikki, they meet, he meets up with Nikki again. And Nikki tells him she's actually going to uh, Pittsburgh for work for two weeks. So she's going to try to get on Videodrome. And Max is like, don't do don't. that. Like, we don't know who those people are. Like, no. He's basically like, everyone involved in, in this industry is a dirtbag. He doesn't say it, but it's like, you're the dirtbag right. too then. But he's not wrong. He's like, I mean, we, you just don't want to get involved with this if this is what's going on. We don't know what, like, where they're going to take this, you know, that kind of thing. 
while he's talking to her, she burns her breast with a cigarette. And he's, like, telling her, like, please don't do that. Like, just don't do it. And so I think he is, like, you know, like, on some level still thinks of himself as a good person. And, like, he he experiences this as, like, this is television. It's just entertainment. And I think Mm -hmm. Nikki is the one who's sort of, like, this is a lifestyle. Like, I I want to— This is who I am. I want this in all, like, phases of my life. Yeah, I want to go further, and part of that would be I want to be on the show and get to like yeah. be to- quote unquote tortured because again we're still thinking it's it's um it's not real. So he uh, Max meets up with Masha the next day, and Masha's like, "Do not involve yourself in a videodrome. I was able to track down some stuff. It's not just a show; it's real. That stuff's one hundred percent real, and yeah. worse, it has a philosophy behind it. Like they're <gasps> doing it for a reason." And he's like, "Who's who's doing it? It's scarier for there to be." A hundred percent. Absolutely. It It is so much scarier if they're like, this is all for something and not just like, I don't know. I guess in other circumstances, I'd be like, randomized violence is way scarier because it's unpredictable. But in this circumstance, like there being a philosophy is way more fucked up. Yeah, it's like the idea that like people are getting together and collaborating to for a goal is that it's like a cult, you know, like it has that same feeling of like if it's one person, it's awful, but so. And, she, and he said, well, who's making it? He's like, she's like, I don't think this person is making it, but I know one person who's sort of been involved in it is Brian Oblivion, that guy who was on the show. So uh, Max is like, okay, Brian Oblivion, I'm going to go talk to him about this. Right. So this is when things to me become very like Kurt Vonnegut, like <sighs> 80s yeah. surreal or whatever. So he goes down to the Cathoid Ray mission run by Brian Oblivion and his daughter, Bianca Oblivion. Obviously. And um, basically their premise of it is that like, uh, these homeless people in our in our town don't oh, get no. access to television. So, so like we have beds and food, but also everyone has a television. So you should be able to watch TV as much as you want, because if you aren't watching TV, you're not tied into the rest of society, basically. Yeah, and something interesting about that. It's like, yeah, if you're not on the internet now, it would be incredibly difficult to like get resources and like look for a job. But this is more of like the the psychological benefit. They're like, it makes yeah. it, it is part of being a human it's now. Community. It's all of the, yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of like it's news. It's it's entertainment. It's emotion, right. and um, it's just like the way they do it. I'm like, oh god, this is the most like surreal version of it. But there's something you know, everything is grounded in like, okay, I see where they're coming from with that. Mm-hmm. So he goes to talk to Bianca, you know, sort of about, like, the philosophy behind their mission and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Max suggests, I think that your father is a part of this video drum thing. I think the fact that you have this homeless shelter makes me think that he's, like, either paying or forcing these homeless people to be on this show. Yeah. I think it is real. I think they're being t- tortured. And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because she's like, oh, I've never heard of video drum. He's like, I bet you have. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Of course she has. And um, I'm going to just tell your dad I know about Videodrome and that he should call me and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, at home, Max gets out a handgun, which he has, and obviously he starts carrying it. And I don't know whether to think, like, at this point, he's now like, oh, shit, I'm really, like, getting a deep with some violent people, so he just has the gun on him now. Right. But he, he's taking it out and he's I guess that would, I think, like, that would make sense. Yeah, and he's already, Once like, Once you're someone, playing with those characters, you're like, oh, like, Something's gonna happen. Yeah. So so he has a handgun and he has like a holster that he has under his shirt. And he, it's a knock on the door and his secretary's there and she's handing off a tape from Brian Oblivion and some other stuff. And she goes over to his VCR and she's about to play, she's inadvertently about to play Videodrome. And he, he like wants to stop her. So he grabs her and he's like, don't do it. And he slaps her across the face. And when he does, she turns into Nikki and then he slaps her again, and she turns back into Bridie, his oh. secretary. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I just hit you. And Bridie says, you didn't hit me. So that, what he just experienced okay. wasn't real. Didn't so happen. He, so he's like, I'm sorry. I'm, like, really exhausted, and I've been, like, getting involved in some crazy stuff. So, like, I'm sorry. I should just go to sleep, you know? Because in his mind, he's like, oh, I just hit this woman. And she's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, dude, hello? We're, mm, Okay. So now he's starting to hallucinate. So my question to you, though, Allison, is what would you do at this point? What would you do? I think I would check into a hospital. Yeah, I like that. And be like, I'm overtired. I Mm -hmm. need, like, a psychological evaluation because I'm hallucinating. And Mm -hmm. either something physically or mentally is off with me. Right. Take this gun away from me. Mm-hmm. And don't let anybody in my room because I do think that I'm like in with a violent cabal of television creators and homeless people that are trying to torture right. one another. 
So yeah, yeah. I guess um, check into a protected hospital. Love it. Great idea. He does not do that. Obviously not. Instead, what he does is he uh, opens the tape from Brian Oblivion, and uh, he puts it in, and he's. it's all about, like, the battle of the mind of North America will be fought in the video arena, the video drone. It's all about North America, North America, which is like, okay, guys. All right. And this is one of Brian Oblivion says his thesis sort of like, um, the brain can't differentiate between what it sees on a screen and what is in reality. So if you're able to provoke in the brain some like a image or a hallucination that is the same like real to the brain, which mm-hmm. I think we've just seen. Like he, yeah. It, the question is like, can you induce the experience of watching television within the own with your mind? You know that kind of thing, right? And he's sort of going real wide with it, but he says, "I had a brain tumor, and I had visions. I believe the visions caused the tumor and not the reverse. I could feel the visions coalesce." and become flesh, uncontrollable flesh. But when they removed the tumor, it was called Videodrome. I was Videodrome's first victim. What does that even mean? We're, it's terrifying, and we're going to get into it in a minute. Oh, my God. And in the, also, in the video, he's, he says Max. Like, he refers to Max by name. You know, like, he's addressing him. Okay. While Brian Oblivion is sitting in the room, two the torturers from the Videodrome videos come in and put a garrote around his neck and strangle him while he's talking. And one of the torturers pulls off their mask, and it's Nikki. Okay. So, we don't know if this is real, though, or right? Absolutely okay. not. So moving forward, I'm going to assume we don't know anything is real or not. Yes. If you ask me, I think that this is not real, but— okay. Um, can't say for sure. I, can't, I cannot say for sure, honestly. Based on what happens later, I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know. But um, I think it is not real. But anywho, this is obviously very terrifying to Max. But even more bizarrely, when Nikki's face is on the, on the um, TV, which you see in the trailer, she's mm-hmm. like, come to me, Max. I want to be with yeah. you. And then sort of the TV itself starts like palpitating and moving and like groaning like it's yeah. like alive and like made of flesh. And and Max goes over and starts to kiss the screen, which is suddenly very like malleable and soft and like movable. So he's like, in a sense, having sex with the television. Um, back at the Cathard Ray mission, sure. um, he shows up and he's like, "Well, I watched your dad's fucking video. Um, what the hell is going on?" You know. And he said, "Like it triggered a series of hallucinations, and now I have this insane headache." And she said, "Did that tape give you the headache, or have you had that headache for a while?" And he realizes, oh, no, I've had this headache since the first time I saw Videodrome. And she said, yeah, um, I got some bad news. You have a brain tumor. Like, Videodrome gives you a brain tumor. Yeah. So so then we have these two theories about what Videodrome is. Is, It's a signal, and it it Mm -hmm. exists as it is. Brian Oblivion started to believe, because he got a brain tumor from it, he started to believe that this was actually the next stage in human evolution. And, like, it's actually a good thing this organ is, like, part of our, how we're going to fuse with technology. Exactly. I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there, bud. There's not a world where that's a good thing that happens. (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, And, again, the the tumor causes you to have hallucinations. And Brian's like, well, is that any different than television? Well, based on what we've seen, the hallucinations are all very fucked up and scary. Yeah, so it's not like you're having from like TV cool, that I fun. turn off and hasn't, as far as I know, given me a brain tumor. Exactly. Well, I guess he thinks like, okay, eventually we're all going to live in a simulation, essentially a simulation where it's like mm-hmm. everything's going to be hallucination. So what's the difference? I suppose right. would be his argument. Let's use it for good. However, he he and his partner disagreed. Bianca explains, uh, you know, she's explaining all this, and Max says, I just want to talk to Brian Oblivion. Like, let me just talk to your father. Mm-hmm. She says, okay, he's in the next room. Max goes in. Brian Oblivion is not there. It's just thousands upon thousands of uh, VHS tapes. And so we find out that Brian Oblivion has died 11 months ago. Okay. So he's been dead this whole and time. And that's before this movie. Yeah, so that's not like... Okay. Right. So I think either we're to think when he says Max in that videotape, that's a hallucination... Or alternately, okay. the brain tumor allowed Brian Oblivion to make to pre-record all this stuff. Like he was able to see that this was going to happen, mm-hmm. so he's like, "I need and to make so a he, yeah, yeah, I need to make a tape for Max." I guess it's supposed to be the the latter. So he was able to okay. pre-record all these things. So these are all different tapes of him. Yes. Another thing we find out is that Videodrome is not necessarily that TV show that we've been seeing. 
Videodrome okay. can be played under anything, like any television show. So it's not just that feed. It's not just that feed. I guess the argument is that, like, watching sex and violence makes us, like, physically excited, which makes us more susceptible to this broadcast. But they okay. said this could be playing under a test signal, and it would still start to affect your brain. Okay. Um, I'm confused, but let's keep going. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's right. I think if you're confused at this point, that's correct. And I uh, save your questions, but also know that I probably can't answer. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I don't think so. It doesn't seem like you could. They are too large for this world. Yeah, and I feel like when I when they talk about like, oh, Brian Olivia thought it could be a good thing. To me, I'm like, is that like a cult where someone's like, oh, we, if we kill ourselves, we'll go to a spaceship. And it's like, okay, but like, why do we want to go to a spaceship? You know, right. like... I guess you're just rationalizing, like, a very terrible thing, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, Brian Oblivion was killed by his par business partner, who we have okay. not met yet. And what the business partner thing is going to happen, we don't know. So Max is like, well, this is a lot of information. Like, what am I supposed to do? And Bianca gives him a bunch of her father's videotapes and just says, you're going to have to just watch these and see, like, what he says, because I don't have the answer to you. I know the video drone is out there. So uh, Max goes to the satellite guy, Harlan, and says, have you been hallucinating from watching the feed? And Harlan says, no, I haven't. And Max is like, okay, so is it the feed? Is it the videotape at all? Um, at home, he's watching, like, uh, Brian Olivian's videotapes, and it's like, okay. oh, you know, he's just explaining, like, the tumor in his brain. And um, he thinks that, like, eventually, if you, once we all have tumors, we'll be able to control our hallucinations. So essentially, we'll be just generating television in our own minds, I guess would be the argument. Okay. While Max is watching this, he's shirtless, and he's sort of idly scratching his um, stomach with his gun. And he I looks mean, down. Like you do. Like and, you do. And as he's doing it, he looks down, and there's like a huge vaginal op orifice opening in his torso. Oh. And for reasons I can't explain, he just sort of sticks his gun into it. I, guess, I mean. This is even natural. And the orifice sort of drags his hand in to the point where he can't get his arm out of his own torso. No. He's very distressed. He's screaming. And finally, he's able to wrench his hand out, covered in goo. And Ugh. then he looks back down. Goo. And the wound has reclosed. So he's like, oh, was that just a hallucination? Unfortunately, Allison, he can't find his gun. I was going to say, is his gun missing? Because The gun that is missing. So it uh, now would appear him? his body has started to change and mutate, and now his gun is caught inside him. No. Suddenly, he gets a phone call. There's a car downtown, downstairs to picking him up, and the person picking him up is Brian Oblivion's business partner, whose name we have not heard and whose name, I'm sorry, sucks. And his name is Barry Convex. And I'm like, oh, my no. God. The no. only thing worse than no. Brian Oblivion. Brian Oblivion is Barry Convex. <laughs> so he takes him to the um, his their company. It's called Spectacular Optical. And the front of it of is that it's a glasses, a Warby Parker, if you will. Oh, sure. And the back, the back end is um, arms dealing, essentially. Like, they work for the military. And that they okay. had been um, developing Videodrome as part of military technology. Okay. See, that all makes a lot more sense. Exactly. And he says, okay, so I have some bad news and some bad news. One, no one was supposed to have seen those. We didn't even realize that people were picking up those images. That was a test broadcast. And no one was supposed to see it. And unfortunately, everyone who has seen it has never recovered from their from the effects of it. So uh, don't tell anyone. This is secret. But um, what I want to do is I want to put like a VR helmet on you and record one of your hallucinations. And then we're going to analyze it and um, I guess tell you what to do. Yeah, we can't really help you, but um, will you help us? And Max is like, why would I do that? And he's like, I want to figure out why you're the only one of our test subjects who hasn't completely died or gone insane. Like as of right now, Max is the only one who's able to survive. Right. He has like some yes. sense. And we don't know exactly why. I guess we don't really ever find out. But anywho, he is able to, he is still standing. <laughs> Stronger than he ever did. Great. And so he puts on the VR helmet and he has this like sexual hallucination about Nikki Brand where he's like whipping her in the clay room of Videodrome. Okay. And while he's doing it, she then turns into Masha, like the older agent. And Max wakes up in his bed and he looks and Masha's dead body is in his bed. And it's been beaten and... She's tied up and gagged. 
So he's like, oh, shit. So he calls Harlan, the um, satellite engineer, to come over. And he's like, Harlan, I need you to take photos of what's in my bed. I can't tell if it's a hallucination or not. I just need you to tell me if what's in there. That's real. And Harlan goes in and he comes back out. He looks really sad. He's like, I don't see anything in there. And, he, and so Max runs back in. It's just a hallucination. Okay. So he's like, oh, no. I'm like, I'm starting to lose my mind. Like, it, it is happening to me. I can't tell what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. And so he says, Harlan... I'll meet you down at the station, and I just I want to see if there's any more Videodrome. Like, I just need to see what, what is broadcasting. So he goes down there, and Harlan's like, oh, there wasn't any Videodrome. I couldn't pick any up. Actually, I've never picked any up. And he's like, and Max says, well, what do you mean? He said, um, well, here, he'll explain it. And he opens the door, and Barry Convex walks in. Oh, Barry and it Convex. Turns out, yeah, it turns out that Harlan is part of, works for, is like a plant, essentially. He has okay. never picked up this feed. The feed has never been broadcast publicly anywhere. It's only been to Max. It's essentially only on videotapes. Okay. And so um, their plan with Videodrome is to give everyone who would watch something like Channel 83... A, mm-hmm. a fatal brain tumor. Now you and this uh, cesspool you call a television station and uh, your people who wallow around in it and uh, your viewers who watch you do it, you're rotting us away from the inside. We intend to stop that rot. So their, their thinking is this will, and this is all ties back to like, uh, like North America, there's like this rot underneath that these degenerates, like people who so would watch this is the sex and violence, to, like weed out. Yes, absolutely. The, like defective, degenerate people who like want obscene sex and violence. Yeah, and it, okay. Ugh. And so that's yeah, why they see, that's to scarier than just like random violence. I completely agree. They had a whole plan. And also yeah. it's like by doing this, it's like, but you are also killing people. Where it's like you are, right. but that, again, what a human thing to rationalize like, oh, well, I'm allowed to do terrible things to people or to think horrible things because they're not real people or they're like, they are right. worse than me in these significant yes. ways. Yes. Me killing them is still more noble than them like enjoying the violent, like fake violence right. or something. So, unfortunately, because Max has been watching Videodrome so much, like, they are able to, uh, he, he's he been implanted with all these secret uh, communiques and messages. Uh-huh. So, they, essentially, because they've shown them this tape, and it's like subliminal messaging, I suppose, they send him to kill his business partners at Channel 83, Moses and Raphael, to so shoot So Channel them. 83 has been broadcasting other feeds, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just not it's this just, one. Exactly. This so one, it's, okay. So like that Samurai Dreams show, like that right. kind of stuff. So it has okay. shows on it. It just was like... Max it's was, real. Yeah, so it's real. Videodrome has not been broadcasting, but Videodrome, but I guess... has seen it. Yes, so Max okay. has seen it. And because he now has been psychologically, he has this brain tumor that they've induced in him, they're, they can control him as an assassin. So they send him down to Channel 83. Okay. He kills his business partners. Like, essentially, they mm-hmm. want to gain control of Channel 83. I don't know how killing his business partners achieves that other than they're dead and now Max is out of the picture. So, like, yeah, this organization right. can just purchase it, ostensibly. Anywho, Max kills them with a the gun that's in his torso. So at a certain point, Max just reaches into his torso, gets the gun out, because he's like, been oh, carrying it inside him. Exactly. And the gun sort of fuses with his hand in this very, again, disgusting, slime-filled, like, metallic... So much like, slime. ...cords going into his arm. But then also, it's like, you switch back and forth from, like, and then in other shots, he's just holding a regular holding gun. Holding a gun. Right. So I think it's so sort of like... Know. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's like he's hallucinating while this is all happening. You're not sure which is real, whatever. But he does kill his business partners. And then his next command is to kill Bianca Oblivion. Because she is the only okay. other person, as far as we know, who knows about Videodrome. Okay. So once she's taken out, then they could just sort of, like, run this. No, yeah. They could do whatever they want with him. So he goes down to the Catholic Ray mission, and Bianca said, I should have known it was you. Like, I should have known that they would have sent somebody to kill me. I knew about all this, and I, I, I should have known. And uh, she's able to, through means that I don't necessarily understand, deprogram Max. Okay. And, he's, and the way she does that is she shows him footage of Nikki Brand being actually killed on Videodrome. So Nikki is she Brand in has, that clay room? Exactly. So she's mm-hmm. been dead for days, if not weeks. 
Right. So Nikki has been dead for a while. Okay. And it, seeing that, I think we're supposed to think shocks and like horrified. He genuinely is horrified. Like this was real violence and he yes. genuinely is affected by it because he knew like, her. The fear. Okay. Yeah. So because of that, because he was able to like have his own psychological experience, he's able to then reject this programming. So instead, he's going to go kill Barry Convex and Harlan. Okay. And then, I'm okay like, with that. And as we're going, like, things get more and more cartoony. Like, sort of, um, did you ever see American Psycho? Yes. So, you know, like, towards the end, like, you're not, you're like, oh, this is getting, like, kind of wacky. You yeah, know? it's, like, like, zany almost. Yeah, like, an ATM tells him to feed a kitten into the ATM in American Psycho. Spoiler if you haven't seen that. So, in this way, like, things are getting, like, he goes to kill Harlan, and he, uh, essentially, Harlan punches him, and then when Harlan's hand comes back out of uh, Max's torso, it explodes, and okay. it blows up. It's such a big explosion that the wall of the building blows out, and Max is able to just walk out again. Mm. And then he's able okay. to go to this, uh, like, eye eyeglass um, sort of... Uh, they're presenting the new spring line at Optical, Spectacular Optical, and he's able to kill Barry Convex. But now he's a wanted man. He's killed both of his business partners. He's assassinated yes. two pe- more people in public there's nowhere else for him to go. So he's right. just kind of on the lam. And I guess they, he, he's the only person left. And uh, Allison, do you think that Max is going to make it out of here alive? And if so, what do I mean by alive? Who will survive? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think, like, the scariest outcome for me right now is he's, like, alive but trapped in, like, a limbo of, like, not knowing what reality is. Mm-hmm. Which is what I think will happen. Like, yeah. I think he'll be, like... Alive, but like tortured for eternity. Okay. In this like virtual reality almost. And I'll say that I, having known what what the ending is, I don't genuinely know what ends up happening. Oh, okay, cool. So I think you might be right. Alternately, we'll see. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. So Max is like, he's on the lamb. And before the last time he talks to Bianca, she says, Death to Video Drome, long live the new flesh. And she's basically saying, because you've been able to like purge yourself of this like um homicidal training they've put inside yeah. you, you are what my father wanted. Like you are someone who has this tumor, like you're able to like live beyond the 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 restraints of human existence. Right. Like, you are able to, you're sort of integrated into technology in this way that my father dreamed of. 
Okay, so that's what they say. And I'm like, all right, I guess I sort of understand that. So Max ends up hiding out in like a decommissioned tugboat in like the harbor in uh, Toronto. And he's there and and he's just at his lowest low. And the TV turns on and he sees Nikki. And he says to her basically like, you, you've really damaged, you haven't destroyed Videodrome, but you've heard it to the point where like it's a fatal blow. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to uh, leave behind your old flesh and accept your new flesh. To become the new flesh, you first have to kill the old flesh. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let your body die. Just come to me, Max. Come to Nikki. So she shows him video of himself like kneeling next to a fire and shooting himself in the head and saying, long live the new Flash. So then he, having seen that, he doesn't. And he shoots himself in the head. He says, long live the new Flash. And that is the end. But my question is, oh, is was that real? Was that a hallucination? Right. And also like, right. well then, because like Brian Oblivion lived on, but like because he made all these videotapes. Right. Max, how so does Max, Max live on? Right. I mean, maybe he just is dead and is just the last and final victim of all of this. I, that that makes the most sense, but I guess I was just, that's such a bummer I that I was like, maybe, None of maybe it really I just makes didn't sense. get it. Yeah, I <laughs> right, know. Right, if you want to say what makes sense, I mean. Yeah, we lost that thread a long time ago. Alternately, is it possible what they're saying is like Nikki and Brian Oblivion and these people who have died are able to live in, in. the television or in in... This, in like, a suspended sense? reality, kind of. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Sorry, I got. I I understood. I felt like most of the movie. I got to the end. I'm like, man, maybe I didn't get this at all. I know. I don't like things that make me feel stupid, and this does. Um, um, well, speaking of feeling stupid, what are some stupid fatal mistakes that our characters might have done at any point in this film, Allison? Fatal mistakes. Setting up a channel that grabs feeds from places you don't know is right. a bad idea. You don't know what you're going to see. You don't know who you're going to all of a sudden get like, involved with. Yeah, I think continuing to watch the Videodrome, which, I yeah. mean, like, even if it hadn't been, like, this technological virus or whatever, it, it was uh, images of people being beaten and murdered. Right. And then the follow-up to that is, if you do watch that, don't go to Pittsburgh and try to get on the show. Right. Yeah. Like once you see it, be like, okay, like that's bad. Maybe call the police and be like, I'm getting this feed from Pittsburgh. This is happening. Like, go check right. it out. Don't be like, I want to be on this or like try and dig deeper to find out more. Like, you're a network exec, man. You're not a SEAL Team Six. <laughs> like, right. And I guess there is like, that is like the ultimate like thinking, like, I can handle it. I can control it. I can influence right. this. And it's like, well, dude, there's so, there's stuff that's so far beyond your understanding. Yeah. And both in reality. Exactly. Yeah. So don't take it upon yourself. Ooh. Yeah. Call in somebody, call in some, um, some experts. Yeah. And I wanted to play a, um, segment I like to call Videodrome 2021. And so in this movie, there's a ton of like, oh, like television's becoming like animate sexual flesh and, or like mm -hmm. a gun becoming mm -hmm. a human arm. So I was thinking, what piece of technology would you like to be physically melded with if you had to be? So I think um, a soda stream. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Great. Like if I could just like dip my hand in a glass and mm -hmm. turn water into seltzer. Yeah that would be a, a technology that I would be comfortable with. I think if you were, because I'm imagining you'd be um, designed by Dana, David Cronenberg's team. Mm -hmm. I was imagining you'd have like a totally see-through neck. And then like oh, okay. if you drink water, we would see it become seltzerized. Like the, but like I don't want it to stream. get seltzerized after it's in my mouth. The mouth, My mouth is where I enjoy seltzer. Otherwise, right, but, it's just burping. Well, that's the trick is that you are the soda stream. So it's, oh. you're, and then you could lean over and pour it into glasses for your guests. Oh, like baby bird, baby bird food. Exactly. Yeah, you could pour it into other people's mouths. Could my hand be like a soda gun at a bar? I, I mean, I think so. Sky's the limit in this that segment. I, that I would like. If I yes, drink that would water be cool. and then my hand squirts out seltzer That's or uh, the worst version of Diet Coke. Yeah. Um, 
That I would be, I, that, that's the scenario that I'm happiest with, I think. Again, I think, unfortunately, because it's David Cronenberg, it can never be the most elegant thing. It has to be like it squirts out your butt or something. Like, it's going (laughs) to have to be something bad. It blows out your eye. It's carbonated, but it's hot. It's hot as hell. (laughs) Hot carbonated? Ew. Could that even happen? Hot, that's, I think so. Let me Google I don't think I've ever experienced it, but I don't see why it couldn't. But when something warms up, it usually loses carbonation. Let me, let me, can you ca- carbonate hot drinks? Okay, I'm Googling this. <laughs> no, apparently carbon dioxide does not say dissolved in hot, in hot liquid. So yeah, that makes sense. So you could carbonate it, but then it would quickly lose its it would, carbonation. It would, yeah, it would never like stay long enough for you to like experience wow. hot wow. carbonated. Look at that. We're learning something. What would you, what, what would you meld with? Um, I would say a Peloton because mm. it seems mm. like the cheapest way to get one. Because like, I don't want to buy one. I don't want to do a no. thing. But if I was a Peloton... But then I guess that same question is, would that mean I, that simply other people could ride me? Or would I get a workout from being a Peloton? Or are you just the person who's trapped in the screen of the Peloton and you just have to watch people working Fuck. out? Fuck, yeah. <laughs> it's Videodrome, but with the Peloton. But Peloton. TV. Ah! That's a Black Mirror episode right there. Yeah. Copy, we're, copyright. Copyright. Yeah. Guys, hire us for your next season. Just kidding. I would never want to write that shit. <laughs> I would love that. I would say it's scary. I also feel like uh, I don't know if you saw this one. Well, I won't give too many details. There's one where it, uh, episode hinges on I believe a guinea pig seeing something happen. That sounds like something I'd come up with. So yeah, we're like, all right, I guess. Okay, we'll allow it. Um, and then finally, Allison, where would you rate Videodrome on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. I feel like. I want, like, another scale. Like, I would give this Mm -hmm. maybe, like, a six on the spooky scale because it's not a ton of violence and gore, and it's more, like, disorientation and, like, figuring out what's... But, like, on the unsettling scale, I would give it a 10. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of movies we do that where it's, like, I don't feel like it's super scary, but the, um, like, the visuals are terrifying, and um, the the, the concepts are terrifying. So... Yeah, it's it's an existential ten, um, yes. but a visual six. I'm gonna give it a five. I feel good right. about that. All right, please follow us. Please yeah. rate and subscribe again. Um, the internet that rules us all. Uh, yeah, chooses to show or not show our podcast to people based on the algorithm. Yeah, so tell your friends. Give us a five. I think we deserved it. <laughs> yeah, give us a solid five. And solid five. Um, as we're all caught in the video drone that is uh, 2021. Mm-hmm. And yeah, until then, please keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.